Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times called it a riot of visual invention and weird humor that works on its chosen submaronic level and on several others as well. Dominic Wells of Time Out said, For those who appreciate dude-speak and bozo humor, this is a very funny film. Jay Boyar of the Orlando Sentinel said, All things considered, I would rather play Twister. This week on Rune Childhoods, we discuss Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and bogus journey. Which one will it be? It's the Rune Childhoods Podcast. I'm Dan M. Wiener, Esquire. And I'm John Jonathan Richardson, and we are Ruined Childhoods. Childhoods. <laughs> which, which I said Thank you already. for indulging us, everybody. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's Bill and Ted week. So, ob- obviously, it's Bill and Ted week. Yes. Come on. So, uh, we, I'm sure, I, at least I know I have plenty to talk about for Bill and Ted. Yes. And I'm sure you do, too. Mm-hmm. But... As this is a podcast about reboots, sequels, prequels, so on and so forth, let's talk about all those things that have been going on this past week. Yeah, a lot of a lot of news about sequel um, sequels, remakes, especially particularly live action remakes of beloved Disney films such as Aladdin. Yes, uh, I have only seen the still of Will Smith looking. God awful. Looking like he blew himself. Ooh, that is that that one's for you, Arrested Development fans. And for anyone who doesn't understand that reference, watch Arrested and, Development. Yeah, just watch Arrested Development. <laughs> um okay. no, but I'm saying that because there was a flurry of memes with the Will Smith genie side by side, Tobias Funke in his with Blue Tobias, Man group oh my God. makeup. And uh, and Ugh. there were photoshops of David Cross's face onto the Will Smith genie body. I haven't seen that. That's fantastic. But you, but you watched the trailer. I did watch the trailer. And how was that? Well, I mean, it's it's live action Aladdin. I haven't seen Aladdin in years, so I don't remember. Like, I don't know if it was necessarily a shot by shot. This is not Gus Van Sant's Aladdin. Well, obviously, because it's not like Will Smith could even come close to doing what Robin Williams did. Well, so, and here's my what's here's my thing. I I I'm, I need to come out and just full disclosure. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the original Aladdin. I thought the animation was brilliant, but I remember seeing it right. and feeling like you know, and some of the songs were you know were really catchy and good but like for example and i i mean i'm gonna catch heat for this but i didn't love robin williams as the genie probably because it was just robin williams there was right it was robin williams occasionally granting wishes it was if robin williams had the power to grant wishes that's what the character was and Sure. A lot of the references, like I understand it's a Disney cartoon, so, and like we're definitely not looking for historical accuracy, but 
making Groucho Marx references and making a lot of contemporary references. I don't like when children's movies cater to the adults and cater to pop culture. I yeah, I I just like when they tell stories. The adult (laughs) catering to adults, I understand to an extent, but like, but they don't need when you are. They don't need to. Does Toy Story cater to adults? I, uh, I, I, I'd have to go back and look, but probably not. I mean, I would call Toy Story one of the best animated films of the last twenty-five years. Mm-hmm. And right. Well, just okay. Another thing about another thing about Aladdin is like, so this is it's not an original concept developed by Disney, right? It's, you know, it's a a story that has lived well beyond those years. So it's not like telling the story of Aladdin's lamp needs to be, you know, reminiscent. Like, I'm talking about the the live action version. Yeah. I I wouldn't call it a remake or reboot. Live action version. I would say, yeah, well, I I would call it a live action remake because it's, it's the songs, it's the same characters. It's really, it's kind of, it's just what Disney seems to be doing with their animated films. Yeah. Not that I've seen any of the the live action versions. Yeah. I mean, they make plenty of money, so why not just keep doing it? And I heard that the Jungle Book was, was excellent. That was, that was good. I liked that one. And I didn't didn't watch the Mowgli one. The Lion King one looks good too, but it's like they're gonna do it whether they do it right or not, and people are gonna see it and spend money on the tickets. So anyway, I, what does it matter? And I and I, I think we will have to have a whole episode devoted to these Disney live action remakes. Kind Probably. of like what's the yeah. point, and you know what does it well, that's do to the, the point. legacy? It's money. Well, yeah, okay, uh, but I'm saying if the, it, I guess there's no point beyond money. Probably not. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I'd be interested. It's not like, I don't think that parents aren't showing their children the original Aladdin cartoon. Right. Probably not, because it's not like this live action one is going to do something that that one isn't doing. In fact, I feel like it's less impressive. Like, I remember really being impressed with the animation and especially mm-hmm. when he's he's riding the I remember I feel like the first like big carpet ride he did it was really amazing and I was so impressed that it was that was animation and that it was I I mean I believe at the time still hand drawn yeah animation mm-hmm. so I, it definitely seemed like they were pushing the boundaries for animation around that time oh definitely um yeah. So anyway, we can we can move on from that one. Um, I feel like we've kind of said enough about our feelings about this Aladdin situation. Yes. Uh, but anyway, the the other thing that I saw coming up in uh, remake or reboot news uh, was just casting decisions for Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, just see, I just saw today that uh, Josh Brolin and Jason Momoa were added to that. Of course. Um, why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah, they are people successful in the, the movies right now. Josh, so it's like Josh course. Brolin especially is just he's in 
everything. I mean, he was in he. Josh Brolin plays Thanos in in Avengers. Yes, and mm-hmm. was in Deadpool two and sure. Um, I was about to say No Country for Old Men, which is not exactly a recent release, though I, I watched it again recently. He's right. It, he's just he's actively in everything. The right original now. cinematic George W. Bush. <laughs> that is true. I'm trying to think if there were there might have been any others, not as major characters, but I don't think so. Nope. But. Um, yeah, and of course, Timothy Chalamet is. Uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Chalamet, Chal- I believe. Chalamet. I don't. Um, anyway, he is playing Paul Atreides, and he's great. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that casting. It makes perfect um, sense to me. Yeah. So I mean, I I have optimism for that movie. I think the thing with Dune, and I, I'm 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 not really well-versed in the world of Dune. I've seen the David Lynch film, but I know that there's been different adaptations and different planned adaptations Mm -hmm. of Dune, and people who are passionate fans of Dune really are passionate about about this world that's been created and i think there's always been you know some qualms or some gripes with the adaptations that have been made so are we seeing is this the going to be the definitive dune will it set off because dune is an entire series so will this not just Mm -hmm. be a a new i don't i wouldn't probably not even a remake just a new adaptation new adaptation right but might it kickstart a franchise I never read Dune. I am not familiar. I think I've only seen the Lynch Dune. I watched it um, maybe a couple of years ago. I remember watching it and getting a text from my wife being like, is everything okay? I heard a loud noise and I just wrote back, watching Dune. And she's like, got it. We're cool. Watching um, Dune. So, no, I am looking forward to the new Dune. Um, but I'm not, you know one of the people who's committed to the, that world. So, I don't have expectations. Uh, I'd be curious to see. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just like, Hey, that's a great cast and it's a cool story and a, you know, great director and everything. So I'm just curious to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, what else, what else do we got? The thing that's all I had for, uh, what's up? Um, not, not quite uh, cinematic theatrical, sequel news but um breaking bad is one of the most cinematic right. series of of the yeah. I get I'll go to the last 25 years um yeah and recently it was announced that there will be a a follow up a sequel a spin off a film about Jesse yeah. that picks up 6 oh. 6 years after the, is it a film? The, I, I believe it's going to be a film. Oh, but I could easily cool. see this becoming a this film being kind of a pilot in disguise. Um, mm-hmm. to well, because Aaron Paul, I, I mean Aaron Paul keeps busy and he pops up in things a lot. But he does. He yeah, it's like he had this groundbreaking performance as Jesse. Yeah, and people tried to put him in things to have him like really command movies and they haven't really worked 
So why not just have him do what he does best? I mean, he's an interesting actor, but it's like it's hard to put him like I think he was he was in the Need for Speed, which appeared right. to be like a Fast and Furious type type deal. Like, let's capitalize on that. Right. And it's just he's not that like, he, you know, he's a good actor and he's got yeah. a lot of nuance, but it's hard. You can't just drop him into a, you know, a, a male lead. And, mm. and expect him to. I think he really needs nuance, and I think just hopefully bringing him back to Jesse will right. will be one. It won't be one of those where it's like, all right, well, this is who he is for the rest of his career. But let's remind everybody, like, oh yeah, this guy can act, and I'm hoping with it being this like six years later sequel of sorts that it it it'll allow the writers, it'll allow Vince Gilligan to focus on on Jesse and really you kind of give Aaron Paul and Aaron Paul had a phenomenal character arc in that show Jesse right. Penguin oh, yeah. evolved but the great thing is Jesse can continue to to grow and evolve as a character and I think uh Gillian does that really well in his writing mm-hmm. evolving his characters right. making the changes make sense right and I also think that I, I remember reading that uh Jesse was supposed to be killed off like in the first few episodes. Right. But he was so good and they had such great chemistry that they were just like, no, we have to. He was not, and he just became like this breakout because of it. Like, yeah. It, it couldn't work without him. And, um, but going back to something that you mentioned earlier on the, uh, on the topic of Fast and the Furious, have you seen the trailer for what is it? Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw. Fast and, and Furious and presents Hobbs and Shaw. Presents that is see that is really interesting because not necessarily a sequel. It's but like the new version place. of National Lampoons. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> it's really fascinating. It, I, I think it's really fascinating that they've actually decided to make it a Fast and Furious presents. Hobbs and Shaw. But it totally makes it's sense because at this point, Fast and the Furious is like a, it's a genre of its, its own. It's ridiculous. These movies yeah. come out every couple of years and it's just more r- ridiculous car stunts. Oh, yeah. And they're, and I mean, they're fun. I think I've seen three of them now in the theater. <laughs> I think that the fourth or the fifth on, they've just, they figured out what they are. So, and... Yeah, it was the so I remember I feel like I remember because I think I think it kind of rebooted itself. This is a series that self rebooted because mm-hmm. I remember because yeah. it was like, all right, Fast and the Furious. And then it was too fast, too furious, uh, yeah. like with the numeral two. And mm-hmm. and then it was Tokyo Drift. And it seemed like after Tokyo Drift, who the powers that be, the geniuses behind Fast and Furious decided we need to get they the fourth one was call, just called fast and furious and it brought back Vin right. diesel and what's and also Paul interesting Walker. is that the timelines for them are funky too whereas like i think that tokyo drift takes place after fast and furious or like there's something really funky with the timeline yes and um a colleague of mine up. a colleague of mine talked was telling me about this was it a colleague or a student Someone was running down like the genius of the non-chronological, the non-linear Fast and Furious timeline. And I was, my mind was kind of blown by the complexity. 
Right. And now who knows so, where Hobbs yeah. and Shaw will fall. Well, Hobbs and Shaw seems to pick up right where the Fast 8 um, fate sure. of the Furious yeah. left off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm very excited for because it's just complete insanity. It's Dwayne Johnson and, and, you know, and Jason Statham. Yeah. And Idris Elba. Uh, now, yes. Now, talking about a franchise that has really gone in a lot of crazy directions... Talk about Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. literally has gone in crazy directions. <laughs> Backwards and uh, forwards through time and space. This is true. Um, not only as two feature films, uh, a soon-to-be third, an animated series, a live-action series, television series, mm-hmm. a comic book, a breakfast cereal, a musical and video games. Oh, and a Halloween Horror Nights event. Okay, wow. So Sorry, an adventure show. The musical is news to me. <laughs> uh, I'm seeing it on the Wikipedia page. It gives no information. It, I imagine it must be a um, an independent type of thing, uh, similarly to the last Starfighter musical, which we are going to talk about teaser very soon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that's all I really know. I just know that in 1998, something existed. And the comic book, I be- there probably mm-hmm. was a comic book series, but I actually, I had, and I think still have a comic book adaptation of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that was either inside or sealed and attached to the back of a ch- box of Cheerios. Oh, <laughs> so uh, according to Wikipedia, a one-shot comic book adaptation of the sequel, so Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, was published to coincide with the second film's release. Its popularity led to the series Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic Book by Evan Dorkin and produced by Marvel Comics. So that leads me to wonder, does Bill and, do Bill and Ted exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh my <laughs> God. Can Bill and Ted travel throughout the marvels are bill and ted going to be responsible for saving the avengers is that is endgame like I is that secretly bill and ted hope 3? So. <laughs> oh my god that would from your from your mouth to uh to god's ears that would be so great <laughs> um yeah i mean it it would actually it, be honest it would it would be it would it would it would make it work for me um <laughs> so for our listeners, for anybody who might be unfamiliar with Bill, the characters Bill and Ted and their world, uh, Dan, why don't you give a little synopsis for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Okay, so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, first of all, was released February 17th, 1989. So 30, 30 years almost to the date as we are recording this on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way, everyone. Oh, yeah, that's right. And um, so Bill and Ted was released then, uh, it was filmed in 1987, is set in 1988, San Dimas, California. Bill and Ted are these two metal, or I don't know about metal, yeah, metal-obsessed, metalhead, teenagers it's implied that they're it's i don't know if it's implied that they're stoners or they just kind of act like stoners they don't like do anything they don't do any drugs or drink in i think 
the two movies, but they're they're kind of portrayed as as burnouts. You know, yeah, these two, yeah, burnouts. And they're doing really, really badly in school. So badly, in fact, that Bill's father, who who probably or no, I'm sorry, Ted's father. Ted's father. Ted's Ted's father, Captain Logan, who these days would probably have protective services called on him. Um, right. And yeah, he's, he's the definition of toxic masculinity. He oh boy. And Ted's father has been threatening Ted with boarding, sending him to military school. In Alaska. In Alaska, military school in Alaska, and separating Bill and Ted. So Bill's father, do we, he's a, is he a therapist in it? I thought he was a teacher. Do we know? Anyway. Who ends up, who ends up marrying a 19 year old? (laughs) Yeah. A very young, Missy. Missy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Missy. I mean, that's all you need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Missy. Yeah. And then. I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but then in, in the in the sequel is married to Ted's father. Yeah, uh, I I love it. We'll talk. I absolutely I, love I, it. I, I I really I I I can't get too much into Bogus Journey because I have so much to say about it. Um, right. So um, okay. So Bill and Ted. So it's set set in in late eighties in in Southern California. And these two guys are doing so poorly, and I guess especially history. It's like their history grade is kind of the the make it or break it. Bernie Casey is their history teacher. Um, he plays the history teacher rather, and <laughs> he, he, their their final. So the the final the final exam or the final presentation, and um, he's a very ahead of his time teacher. It's not a multiple choice test or a report or a paper. They have to make a presentation. Um, Focusing on how I think the initial assignment is three uh, historical figures would view San Dimas. Right. Something like that. Because I know in the middle of their of their voyage, they they decide they say we could stop here and then they go for extra extra credit, credit, which I don't know if extra credit was offered as part of this assignment. Um, As a teacher, you would be a real stickler for that type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's... You'd say four wasn't the assignment. Yeah. You've made it harder for yourself. I, exactly. I, I, I didn't offer... You can't just do things and expect to get extra credit. It doesn't happen. <laughs> um, so, so they have this huge presentation. They haven't paid attention to anything throughout the entire school year, as far as we can tell. Um, oh, what, how is it that they refer to, cause we see them in, in history class as they, right. as they totally bomb out on, on every question that they're asked and, and the history teachers, like he seems kind of out to get them, but he kind of also pulls them aside and, and he, he does show them some support. So they, but they have no idea how they're going to do this. And when, <laughs> The inciting incident. What you haven't even gotten into time travel yet. Oh, but what's I'm I'm getting to the Circle K because what gets them to the Circle K is that Bill's dad wants to nail his young hot wife on Bill's bed, so he gives Bill and Ted some money and sends them out. They go to the Circle K, and as they say, strange things are afoot at the Circle K when a phone booth magically appears out of the sky and George Carlin 
steps out of it. George Carlin, yes, Rufus, as Rufus, and we've 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 actually we do see in the beginning. We're introduced to Rufus in the very beginning. Well, I believe. Yeah, so Rufus Rufus <laughs> has come from the future. Rufus is this teacher from the future who's he's he's sent to make sure that Bill and Ted stay together because as wild stallions Bill and Ted will eventually create music that like, like creates peace in the universe and harmony mm-hmm. and understanding and makes the world all war ends. Everything. Yeah, yeah. there's a series of headlines. But Right. Their music. But the thing is, Wild Stallions, they don't know how to play music because, as they say, they need to learn how to play their instruments. And the only way yes. to get to learn to play their instruments is if they get Eddie Van Halen. And, yeah, that's just not well, going to Yeah, they're just banking on, and they're actually banking on if Eddie Van Halen can join the band, then Eddie Van Halen can, can do all the musicianship. <laughs> so, Bill, right. so, yeah, so Bill and Ted are... Uh, they're hopeless and they're bound to fail. So Rufus comes back to save them and offers them this plan of, Hey, you take this phone book through time and actually like learn history by experiencing it. Cool. Right. Cool concept. Uh, And to even drive the point home, Bill and Ted from slightly in the future, while they are still making their rounds through history, stop by to, talk to the themselves basically to right. prove to to give Rufus some some support and say this guy's for he knows what he's talking about so right off they go <laughs> so essentially they go through time instead of just learning about it they collect these historic figures to bring back to San Dimas and as we find out they completely nail their presentation and they bring back some princesses with them uh, that they met along the way. Oh, yes. And and by the way, so Bill and Ted, who were completely unprepared for this assignment, compared to everyone else, I mean, even the San Dimas high football rules guy had some preparation. Uh-huh. Bill and Ted, who had absolutely no clue within 24 hours of this, put on not just a, a wonderful presentation, but a fully produced tech stage show with pyro and i mean but the the wonderful thing about the bill and ted movies and i'll get to this more with bogus journey is by the time they get to these to the to the real absurd parts they've already gently nudged you so far beyond the point of of plausibility that you are just roll at that point you're either with it or you're not you've walked out or you are all behind it and you don't care about how plausible it is Right, which really brings us to Bogus Journey. And if you don't mind, I'd like to give a little uh, brief synopsis of Bogus Journey, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. All right, so in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, it is a few years later. uh, They have a slightly better grasp about how to play their instruments. The princesses are there. Uh, They play the drums and the keyboards, I believe. And uh, they are still completely clueless and not even close to writing a song that's going to change the course of humanity. So, meanwhile, from the future, a a, a super bad guy, <laughs> like he was uh, Rufus's teacher, 
he has built robot Bill and Ted's to go into the past, kill Bill and Ted, and completely destroy everything surrounding them. Chuck Denomalos is his name. Yes, yes. It's uh, And his name, Denomalos, is the writer Ed Solomon's name backwards. Anyway, uh, so the robot Bill and Ted's are just like completely evil. They go back. They uh, ruin the relationships. They throw Bill and Ted off of um, the Vasquez rocks and Bill and Ted are now dead. Their spirits leave their bodies and they meet death. Uh, The Grim Reaper brilliantly played by William William Sadler. Yes, if uh, you've seen Die Hard 2, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future, uh, you are very familiar with uh, William Sadler. So he plays Death, and it's essentially, um, it becomes a Seventh Seal parody where uh, he will let them go back to life and be their servants if they will, if they beat him in a game. But before that, they actually give him a wedgie, or as they call it, a Melvin. Melvin. And uh, ditch him, walk back to San Dimas, which is like super far away. They walk uh, back from the they're... afterlife. <laughs> oh, that's right. They're or yeah, no, no. Wait, they're they're what? still at the rocks. They're just they're dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's their spirits walk all the way back. Uh, they eventually get to hell and are enamored by the devil because they are into heavy metal, of course. Um, but once the devil tries to, you know, put them into their own personal hells, they escape by summoning uh, death and bring you back. Oh, wait, did I completely skip over when they possess? When they, yeah. So, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry about that. They also, like, possess uh, Ted's dad and the. His, his partner, like, his cop partner. His his cop partner and try to tell the cops what's happening, but that doesn't work. It's all they just try like to, completely great, crazy. They try to they go infiltrate to a, Missy's seance. That's right. They where um, yeah. Ed Solomon and um, and Chris Matheson, sure. the Chris Matheson, the writers, uh, yeah, have cameos. Yeah, they have their cameos. Right. So of course Missy is into all this new age uh, stuff and is performing a seance. How convenient! So they get in there, but she damns them to hell. That's how they get to hell. All of a sudden, she gets really, really good. Like, all of a sudden, she she has command of these mystical powers. It's completely bonkers, but it's okay that it's completely bonkers because we've already been... Uh, we've already granted access for the this world to exist not in our world. Oh, you yeah. know, that's just not possible. No. So Well, clearly, it's the Marvel go, Universe, so... It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, apparently. So they are now in the afterlife, and they keep on beating death in a series of games. <laughs> Battleship, Clue, and Twister. Twister, yeah. And you get to see death become goofier and goofier and goofier and say funnier and funnier and funnier things. And my God, what a great character. Did you What's know? <laughs> Did you know? Because I was, I was curious about this. I'm curious about actors... The other actors in these. So I was doing some research, and Bill Sadler, sorry, William Sadler. Um, oh, we're not on that. Page. Didn't realize you guys are so close. Yeah. Um, so William Sadler, 
he actually has has called this the most fun he's ever had. He apparently wrote a lot of his lines, came up with a uh-huh. lot of ideas. Um, he wrote the rap. <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. <laughs> the we'll get to that rap. a bit. Um, he's also he also appears as in like regular without the Grim Reaper stuff uh, at the end. He like is watching the TV transmission of everything and dancing around. Anyway, we'll get to that later. I missed that. But anyway, so he's he's so great. So anyway, uh, they beat him in these games, and now he is their servant. So uh, they have him take them to heaven, where they weasel their way in after mugging a few wise men, as and, they say, and then and and quoting some poison. <laughs> They quote poison to get past St. Peter and they um, they ask God to bring them to the greatest scientist to help them build good robot usses uh, to defeat the bad, ro- the evil robot usses. So uh, he directs them to station. They go into afterlife and they see, you know, there's all these historical figures and um of course playing charades with einstein and who else was there uh, ben franklin and ben franklin um yeah. i want to say you see marilyn monroe somewhere Lao Tzu, anyway. maybe <laughs> I think. so uh they are all playing charades with station which are these two small creatures from another planet uh bill and ted refer to them as martian dudes and the only words that they say are station and uh, they're supposed to be the greatest minds of all time. So Bill and Ted bring them back to Earth. So they come back to life. They've got Station. They go to a hardware store. Station gets all the goods that Station needs to build yep. the good robot usses. They, they walk into a hardware store with the Grim Reaper and two giant creatures no one bats yeah. an eye no one bats an eye no one bats an eye so um yes ro- robots are built station then be runs into each other and then they become one giant station it's very confusing nobody cares it doesn't matter it because doesn't. no who cares so then uh they're at the battle of the bands where evil bill and ted robots are planning to kill the princesses um on live television and then, of course, Bill and Ted come in. The robots uh, punch them a couple times and destroy them. And then um, Dinamalos mm-hmm. comes in the uh, in the phone booth. And after a series of mind games, they defeat Dinamalos. Um, and then they have to. What sorry? What's well, up? What what they do? I think what's so funny that they do with Denomalos is totally play up because they haven't really done any time travel, which is no. one of the strengths of this movie is that it does not make any attempt to duplicate the plot of the original. But then right. they go back and forth, Denomalos and Bill and Ted doing different things like, all right, well, we're just going to have to remember to go back and drop a sandbag yeah. on his head. <laughs> When we win, we will have to go into the past and place a sandbag. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to, when I win, I'm going to go back and, you know, have a key to this cage you put up, you know. And by the way, I cannot, I can't watch 
that act Joss Ackland without uh-huh. without first hearing I can't hear his voice without hearing diplomatic immunity from Lethal Weapon 2 cuz he's that oh, guy. Yeah. It's That's and, right. and I cannot see him without picturing him making ice skates for the Mighty Ducks. Oh my god, I did not even realize but that is so true. I mean, the first thing is making like making ice skates for the Mighty Ducks. Well, because the first thing I think when I see whenever I see him in anything is oh, diplomatic immunity and but then I was like, wait a second, like, I know him, I feel like I've seen him actually play, like, a gentle role, like a, sure, no, like a nice person, and, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, by this point, Dinamalos has made the cameras beam to every TV in the world. Yes. Important to know. So, now, uh, he's defeated, Bill and Ted then have to play but they realize, oh, we don't have, we don't know how to play yet. So they travel through time, and then back into time, and they come back like a minute later. And Bill has like a ZZ Top beard, and Ted looks like Dave Navarro. Yeah, uh, which I don't even know if Dave Navarro looked like that yet. But uh, but he, he definitely was influenced by this. I thought the same thing. He definitely looked like Dave Navarro. Oh, exactly, like Dave Navarro. Yeah. And uh, and then they play this sweet guitar solo, and then God gave rock and roll to us. Um, yeah, <laughs> Which is and the name of the song, or is that just the chorus? Or yeah, it's a kiss. It's a kiss song. Oh, is that so? Is it God gave rock and roll to you or oh, to us? I've never even. I just was marveling at to you. I, yeah, I was just marveling at how that was the song that apparently everyone in the world saw this song played and it, it things made sense to everybody. Well, okay. Well, f- actually one other thing. Um, the, the woman who was organizing the battle of the bands, ter- who's played by Pam Greer, Pam Greer turns out to, turns out to be Rufus wearing a Pam Greer costume. Um, just to remind you that he's, he, and yeah, that's, Oh, because he, like had, he didn't need to be there. Well, when Denomalos took the 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 phone booth and and Rufus threw his like guitar orang thing, grappling hook, it's like Batman yeah. guitar grappling hook. But then you don't know what happened to him, and you forget about it. Honestly, I I forgot about it pretty quickly. I did not sit there the whole yeah. time wondering, yeah, but what happened to Rufus? Right, and then oh yeah, that's right. There he is. There he is. So. um that happens. Oh, yeah. And then when they're playing God Gave Rock and Roll to You, it montages to all of these <laughs> magazine covers that are like goofy about all of the things that they're doing um, and all of these amazing accomplishments that they have. <laughs> Death's solo album. And then when that tanks, him rejoining Wild Stallions. <laughs> it's and like, well, they become completely the crazy. Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Decade. Wild oh, Stallions, yeah. apparently for playing. Pete Townsend couldn't get that award. No, but he's um, yeah, he's not in Wild Stallions. Wild Stallions. So, so here, did you? I don't know when you watched it last. If you paid attention yesterday, to, <laughs> did you pay attention to any of the dates on the uh, newspapers? Nope, I didn't. The. The year on them is the year 2691. Why do you suppose they picked that year? 
2690 I'm trying to think like cuz well Bogus Journey came out in 1991. Okay. But you're thinking of it completely wrong. Okay. Take the numbers in the middle. What are those numbers oh, in the middle of 2691? They, okay. 69 dudes. So my mind yeah, did not. It's the year twenty six. They in the year twenty six ninety one. They go to Mars. They do all sorts of stuff. So amazing, yeah, amazing. Um, but all of so the, those are those are the first two movies that took forever. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but so the point. <laughs> but the point. I think the point that we're making here is how do you possibly you can't remake. I don't think you could remake. You definitely can't remake bogus journey that's <laughs> no so right how much do you know about the third bill and ted i had seen a working title as bill and ted go to hell but that was also the working title of the second one so the title is going to be bill and ted face the music okay yeah oh yeah yeah okay. so i i watched some clips from different news shows uh talking about this and the I don't know if they've started production on it, but if they haven't, they're starting soon. But basically, the plot is they are now 50, and they still haven't written the song yet that will change the course of humanity. And They still haven't written God Gave Rock and Roll to us? (laughs) Well, I guess that was just a song that got people's attention, but they still just haven't written the song. That will change because actually, if you do look at the newspapers, the other articles in the newspapers are are talking about things going on in Iraq and like wars going on. So it's like there's still war. So according to the according to the end of Bill and Ted's bogus journey in the uh, newspaper articles. Um, So, yeah, it's just them coming to terms of the fact that they still haven't written this song um i mean and i so, yeah yeah so i'm cu- i'm curious to know more about the concept but i feel like if chris matheson and ed solomon are working on it then they I are i have faith that this is not just going to be a let's get back and do the same jokes with right you know, and that they're older and now make some some old jokes because what they did with Bogus Journey just uh, really convinced me that they know how to continue telling stories about these characters without it being repetitive. And now, of course, there's... Without relying on the same tricks. Right. Yeah. Um, I had an idea for a third Bill and Ted movie because the way I see it, their idea doesn't work based on the end of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and the year 2691. Because if you are placing them in 2019, you are you are erasing the fact that they existed in 2691 and are making all of these headlines um, on magazines that don't exist anymore but maybe they do in uh in print (laughs) yeah right premiere magazine is back in the uh, 26 yeah by the way i I, one thing i enjoyed from from excellent adventure was at the end when he gives them 
their their futuristic amazing album on CD where right. apparently holographic cover art has come a long way but the actual music format is CD ha- ha- has has stayed totally or it's back it's retro well another thing to consider is that on the albums that they are known for they are their young selves so if they're 50 and still haven't done it yet then like it doesn't really line up with the worlds they've created before so what i'm saying is don't set a movie a third movie in 2019 set it in 2691 they are playing their big show on the moon or, or on mars and that's when like some sort of intergalactic craziness is going down and like they're the only one like there's another galaxy are they called on to defend the frontier yeah right Ooh, oh man we're gonna talk about that one pretty soon (laughs) um (laughs) well yeah maybe they get called on by like creatures from another galaxy to help them solve their crisis and they have to travel through space and uh, solve a whole bunch of problems there. Maybe using some of their uh, knowledge of Earth history, mm-hmm. things they've learned along the way. I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely wouldn't be repetitive. I, I Honestly, I think Bogus Journey is so out of the box and... I really, I always knew it was like this weird, crazy, funny movie, but right. not until I watched it recently did I think about how much, how kind of risky it was. And apparently, I read the well, director, I read there's a director's cut that is like 10 times darker because the director, Peter whoa. Hewitt, was British. And he said that like his original cut was way too dark for american audiences but he's he he's like it would have done very well in britain oh my god i need to see that i know Uh, yeah well that's the thing is like so i watched it last night with uh with laura who for the listener it's my wife and um afterwards she was just like man that movie's crazy anyway and i was just like do you realize how impossible it is that that movie was even made like Give that, like, pitch that concept today. It would never get made. People how die, they go to concept? the afterlife. You, How do you pitch that concept? <laughs> like, and the thing is, it's not like Excellent Adventure did so great that no. it was like a, an easy sequel i mean it It did better than weekend at bernie's that year it it indeed did which got it which got a completely bonkers sequel but Um, but but this one ranked like 32nd of the year total i mean yeah but bogus journey was 35th um came in it 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 lost out to william hurt's the doctor uh but it came in one (laughs) spot ahead of dead again which is a movie i love and it came in two spots ahead of soap dish I know I saw that. that we love. A but, beloved movie. Yes. Um but William Sadler is is per- I mean Bogus Journey. Oh, I did I thought I saw that William Sadler was supposed to be coming back for the sequel. I read one thing that said, you know, like years ago that they were trying to find a way to get him back in there. I 
I think it's it's unclear mm-hmm. based on the information that's out there, but I would love to see William Sadler involved. He was so he was I mean, so great in Bogus Journey. We don't the the boundaries of reality clearly don't don't matter here. And I mean, I right like I don't know how I would fit him into your pitch. But which which I think is I mean he's in the band it's creative yeah that's right he is he's in the band he's true um yeah. I the one I, when I was trying to think about like how would you remake Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure I did I think I know okay wait not not I'm sorry not remake Bill and Ted's Excellent, Excellent Adventure but what you do is they're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Thanos snaps his finger. Bill turns to Ash and Ted with death have to bring him back. That's amazing. <laughs> I love I love that our best ideas are these like crossovers that could potentially I was thinking again about I was thinking again about the Groundhog Day Anchorman, I was having a conversation right, with someone yeah. about it, but I was like, I believe they are both Sony properties. <laughs> there you go. But uh, um, but coming back to Bill and Ted, I was like, you could certainly take the concept and you could certainly adapt that and take put that in a contemporary context. I would not suggest calling it Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or having a the character of of Rufus. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do I feel like you can't do anything with Rufus anymore. I think the concept of two two students who have really high stakes on a project and they travel through time to either learn about history or actually bring back people from history. There, there are so many other periods you could do. It wouldn't have to be repetitive. And I'm not saying they should do this, but I think the concept is one that you could, that you could use again. It could be a Bill and Ted present like a fast and furious presents. <laughs> well, maybe, it, maybe uh, we follow back up with Missy see who missy's oh, with these days i don't know i just in my i all of a sudden went to i was like keenan and kel's excellent adventure keenan and kel oh my god i mean <laughs> i don't well i mean see the thing is like if george carlin was still with us then i could see rufus or maybe maybe it's even like one of rufus's like old students or like somebody from that world you know, maybe there's some other problem going on and they say, well, you know, this worked that one time <laughs> with Bill and Ted. Like, maybe it'll work again. What else would you... these people that have made, you know, these big strides in history. I mean, I guess it's not hard, especially if you consider that, like, Bill and Ted are being kept together so that they can, like, write an awesome song. Mm-hmm. Well, presumably more. They're not just one-hit <laughs> which, wonders. Which... That concept alone is so great. I love it. It's you know it was it was funny. I was watching it a lot, thinking a lot about Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Oh my god, <laughs> that movie is so enjoyable. I love it. 
<laughs> that's a wacky movie. Um, well, but it's, you know, similar in a lot of ways where it's like they have to... They have to beat... I mean... Satan. They have to play the greatest song in the world to beat Satan. Yes. Yeah. It's essentially Bill and Ted's one and two combined in a, in a lot of weird ways. Yeah. Kind of. Um, By the way, uh, in Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny, the... Um, the song that Satan plays at the end where he's like, I'm the devil, I love metal, that part gets stuck in my head all the time, out of nowhere. It's so good. That is a pretty, it's a wonderful lyric. But Yeah, uh, and Dave Grohl nails it. Dave Grohl absolutely does nail it. So to bring it back to Bill and Ted, I, I think, <laughs> yes. oh, you know what? Here's what I wanted to say about Bogus Journey and the marketability of it. So... Keanu, I think another thing working in the favor of the Bill and Ted franchise right now is Keanu Reeves riding, or should I say surfing, his third wave of of popularity with the John Wick series. Yeah. He's really, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's kind of made him, pop, it's kind of put him back where the Matrix, you know, in the Matrix, what the Matrix did for him um, sure. 20 years ago. <laughs> Is now what Oof. what John Wick has has done for him, and I think that and it's similar to 1991 when Bill and mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out one week after Point Break, and My Own Private oh. Idaho, which was being Keanu Reeves had to delay shooting Bogus Journey because he was shooting My Own Private Idaho with Gus Van Sant and River Phoenix, and that started releasing like hitting film festivals around that time as well. Well, it's what's so crazy. Like you can tell that he must have loved making these movies. I mean, especially after the first one, he was gaining a lot of popularity and he didn't need to do a sequel. And he was also the voice in the first season of the animated series. Like that's pretty crazy. I didn't know that. So yeah, he, the season season one, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves did the voices, but then um, season two, it was Evan Richards as Bill and Christopher Kennedy as Ted, who then went on to play Bill and Ted in the television series. George Carlin was also the voice in the uh, animated series, the first season. Okay. So, yeah, so there you go. So, um, you can, but you can tell that Keanu Reeves just really enjoys... The, this character, um, when you see the like anything interviews where he's talking about it, you can tell that he is just like is really enjoying being in that world again. Um, How could you not? So I really enjoyed being that. back in that world. <laughs> I these those movies are great, and the thing is, like they they're they're culturally significant. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they they exist in a in a in this world in a way that like is very pure and unbelievable that it's even in, they even exist. Like no. th- it gives me a lot of hope. They're just yeah, it's pleasant. I'm I'm happy that there's a a third one coming out. And and by the way, you didn't ask me, but I did think about this because I thought you would you would ask me about where uh-huh. and when I saw it. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me. I so I remember specifically when I saw Excellent Adventure, it was at the Westfield Twin Cinema. Okay. Um mm-hmm. which no Westfield, no New Jersey. Westfield, New Jersey. And I remember Don't try to look for it. It's been 
gone for years. <laughs> Not Westfield. Westfield is still there, but the the it's cinema is, the cinema is long gone. But I used to used I saw many wonderful movies there in the eighties and nineties, and I remember sitting in. I, I remember getting to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I feel like uh, like right as it was about to start and it, the theater was packed and I had to sit in the very front row. And I remember mm-hmm. I had a stiff neck for days after that just because I was sitting watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like my neck arched so you all were the way back. So you were 11, 12, something around there? Something around, yeah, no, I would have been yeah. 11... Yeah, yeah, eleven and a I'm half. I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing an eleven year old you just being like, "Ah, my neck really hurts." I <laughs> Not mean, that that's what your voice was, but <laughs> like I had a stogie yeah, hanging out at the side of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> just, ah, my, my goddamn yeah, Bill neck. And Ted. Mm. Ah, it was worth it. I gotta go to the chiropractor. <laughs> ah, but I never laughed so hard. <laughs> but yeah, so Bill so, and Ted. Bottom line is. I, I'm as long as Keanu and Alex Winter and Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson are coming back to do more. I'm all for them continuing right the franchise. Yeah. No remake. I trust them. I have voiced my. I have. I have aired my grievances about my concerns uh, about respecting the uh, the chronology that they have set in place based on the magazine and newspaper covers at the end of Bogus Journey. So that, that I've said my piece. As long as they stick to the timeline. Never mind either. that in the first movie, they bring back mass murderers, really, to unleash on San Dimas. Mm-hmm. But as long as we stick to the timeline, you know. How many... I, was, oh, yeah. I just... Every time with Genghis Khan, like, just after knowing more about Genghis Khan... <laughs> I was like, how is that? I was like, Genghis Khan does not murder or rape anybody in this. Yeah, and he was in a mall on his own for a while. Oh, Yikes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was I was I was shocked. But anyway, but I did I did read one thing that was like I don't know if the director's the cut had him iteration. doing a lot of killing and raping. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh the the uh I don't know what the latest version of the Bill and Ted Face the Music script is, but there was I read something about Billy the Kid and Socrates. There are Socrates coming back, um, but oh. I don't know if that's gonna that's in the latest version. You know, I actually I did but, uh, I did the research because I was like, well, I know Genghis Khan and Napoleon were responsible for a lot of deaths. I looked up Billy the Kid, right. twenty one. Oh well, he yeah, I mean, claimed twenty twenty one Napoleon million, okay. Genghis right. Khan forty million, forty million that he's responsible wow. for, and yeah. Yeah, you know, Socrates. Different times, probably zero, maybe one. Who uh, knows? He killed people with his ideas. I mean, Joan of Arc probably uh, none, none. Okay, I okay. I looked it up. No, um, I was doing research on these people. I was because I was also like, huh, Beethoven's not acting too deaf, and uh, right, yeah. Also understands modern instruments really well. And so Beethoven mm-hmm. was fully deaf by age 46, which is approximately the age he looks in this. <laughs> um, but it would be cool to bring back uh, Jane Weedlin, uh, to as Joan of Arc because I, she's cool. Yeah. Jane Weedlin of the Go-Go's. Of the Go-Go's. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I, I think I've said my piece about the Bill and Ted franchise. We talked about a lot. 
Uh, yeah, we we did, but it it it's important to kind of go into why you you can't just say, hey, we're gonna remake Bill and Ted's or we're gonna reboot Bill and Ted's. Can't can't be done. Shouldn't be done. Remaking or rebooting? No, definitely not. I agree with a sequel because I am completely for being placed into their world one more time. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Especially with where Keanu Reeves has landed in his career. And Alex Winter, I mean, he's become a documentary filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this one interview I watched, it's him talking about his like cryptocurrency, not his cryptocurrency, but his blockchain documentary. And they're just like, now let's talk about Bill and Ted. And he's like, all right, well, I've got this other documentary that I'm coming out too. And no, he's like, clearly, yeah. he's way more into that. Than, he's much uh, more of an auteur. <laughs> truly, truly. But uh, you can tell he's pretty psyched about it. But yeah. um, it, it's just, they're a good time. Yeah. Those guys. I really hope that the this next one has uh, fewer if uh, maybe hopefully zero homophobic slurs. Oh yeah, because yes, yeah, that they did a couple of those in the first one. The second one also was it in the second in the second one also. Yeah, at least yeah. twice. Yeah, there's some. Uh, there, I mean, when when Denomalos gets the Melvin, he he kind he enjoys it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. There is that little like half smile. He has at a, the ooh. End. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Death gives Denomalos a Melvin. Yeah. But we we could go on, but we shouldn't. We won't. We shouldn't. Um, but let's talk about what we have coming up on our next episode. So our next episode, a very special episode of Rune Childhoods. <laughs> <laughs> we will be talking about 1984's The Last Starfighter. For anybody who knows us, you're probably surprised we haven't gotten to this one yet. We were waiting. Seeing how, see, yeah, we're waiting for the fourth episode. <laughs> well, we're the, or fifth, fifth, fifth. This is the yeah, fourth fifth. right now. It's happening Jeez, as we speak. Yeah, but we are looking forward to having a a special guest with us. That's right for the last Starfighter. The uh, the 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 third of the of the brothers, Scott. He El will Mono. be. Uh, He'll be with us talking about the last Starfighter. Uh, this was a big movie for us growing up. Uh, well, uh, I'll, so I'll be sure to tell that story. <laughs> why it was a big movie for us, and then twenty minutes later, we'll start talking about the movie. Yeah, right. So, um, I, hey, I want to give a special thanks to everyone who's been rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yes. we have a five star rating. That's exciting. Thank you, thank you, whoever you yeah. are. Whoever you are out there. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. And for everyone who's been subscribing, yeah. that's so cool. And I've encountered a lot of people who I work with who have been like, hey, I listened to such and such episode. And I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> and then people, uh, and shout out to the the daycare dads out there. The daycare dads. You know that they've been watching, they've been listening. Um, yeah. Again, why? I can't believe. Okay, I don't question cool. it. If you're listening and you're coming back for more, thank you please let us like you have a voice in this email us at ruined childhoods pod at gmail.com let us know your yeah. thoughts on anything that we've talked about or anything you'd like to hear us talk about totally totally i was about to go into like a party on and then no wrong franchise <laughs> no no we'll get to that one i'm sure another time yeah, yeah. uh maybe i don't know 
Anyway. Well, thanks again for for joining us, and we hope that you'll be back with us again next week for The Last Starfighter. Bye, Dan. Bye, John. Bye, John.